I'm really honored and delighted to bring this message today. This today, I, I I love the topic of joy, and it was so funny because actually in our pre-service gathering, we were all kind of giddy and kind of goofy, and I just think that's so healthy. Um, maybe some of you don't think goofiness and and uh, spirituality go together, but I think. Honestly, I think uh, Jesus and his disciples were probably goofy sometimes. Don't stone me. Calling Jesus goofy. But don't you think Jesus loved to laugh? The God of the universe who created laughter, don't you think Jesus loved to laugh? Don't you think he probably loved to crack up? Yeah? And don't you think Jesus and his friends had some inside jokes? Right? Don't you love the people that you have those inside jokes with? You just have to say one word or make one face, and it's like you both burst out laughing, and people are looking at you like, what? Well, today we're going to talk about the way that you can actually have complete joy, absolute, 100% complete joy. Jesus is going to give us the secret to that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the joy of friendship. And how to achieve that. According to a Gallup poll, 2% of Americans have no good friends. They have no friends. No close friends whatsoever. 14% say they have one or maybe two close friends. 39% say that they have three to five close friends. 18% say they have between six and nine friends. And 27% say they have 10 or more friends. This is, this is according to a Gallup poll. Um, for those of you who know me, uh, you know who my best friend is, right? My best friend is whoever's standing in front of me at the time. That's my best friend. <laughs> I, uh, I am an extrovert, and I love people, and I love relationships, and I love individualizing people and getting to know, unwrapping who they are. Um, But today we're going to talk about something beyond just acquaintances, beyond the people that are standing in front of us and breathing. Um, An anthropologist named uh, Robin Dunbar says that the human brain has a limit to how many meaningful relationships it can keep track of. Dunbar says most people can have up to five intimate bonds, Um, best friends, spouses, uh, you know, those people that you're super close to, 15 close friends, people that you trust and spend time with regularly, 50 people are people that you would invite to, you know, maybe if you have a Christmas open house or something pre-COVID, BC, Um, and 150 casual friends would be people that you would invite to a big party or a wedding so you get more gifts. Um, But I think that our society, our culture, we elevate uh, the relationships that are romantic above all other relationships. Agree? It seems like people look to romantic love as the most incredible form and the best type. But I'm here to make a case today that the Bible actually says that friendship is even higher than romantic love. The Greek word for the romantic love is eros, which means someone that you are romantically involved, hopefully married to them if you're romantically involved. But anyway, but don't you think marriages 
would be so much more solid if husbands and wives were actually friendly with one another rather than being annoyed constantly or ignoring one another or dismissing one another or, or whatever. You know, the Bible actually says that it's better to remain single so that you can really focus on the kingdom of heaven. It says that it's better for you because you won't be distracted. You can really just put your hand to the plow and really serve the Lord with your whole life. But if you're married and have kids, you know it's, it can be a distraction, right? So today we're going to talk about how, how we can have all these different levels of friendships. Um, I, I had something really sad happen this week. Um, I, I watched my second Zoom funeral of a person who took their own life. This is an 18-year-old boy. Just let that sink in. 18 years old. And one of the things they said at this funeral was, if you see someone who's withdrawn or you see someone who's isolating themselves or or by themselves a lot, reach out. You know, 2020 has been a dark year, a very dark year which I think is, is so important for us today to talk about joy because it is still possible, even as Daisy said, even in the midst of pain and darkness and despair and all of these things that we still can have that joy. You know, happiness comes from externals, from happenings. Joy is something that comes from within. And that's, what, that's my goal today is that you would get this and that you would walk out of here changed that you would walk out of here with hope and with actual joy. If you live to be 100, this is a quote, if you live to be 100, I hope to live to be 100 minus one day so I never have to live without you. This is a quote by Winnie the Pooh. Isn't that so cute? Think about some, some friendships in your life. And now I know going here can be a painful subject. You know, you think about people you thought you were going to walk with for the rest of your life. And now you don't have any relationship. You think about people that burned you. you think about people that just abandoned you or rejected you. Today we're going to talk about how to find 100% complete joy in your tribe. So I want to ask you, who's in your tribe you know, the, the Bible talks a lot about the 12 tribe, tribes of Israel. But tribe is kind of a, a word now that just means like your, your, your homies or your closest friends, your besties. You know, so who's in your tribe? Who's actually part of your tribe? And now what a tribe is, a tribe is a, a group of people that have similar interests or similar affection for one another, who, who defend one another and who go to war against the enemies together and who um, want to accomplish something meaningful together, whether that's just relationship or maybe, you know, actually doing something of purpose. Who's in your tribe? So this is the definition. A tribe is a group that bands together and establishes rules to create a sense of safety and belonging to fight a common enemy, 
or to accomplish something meaningful. Today, I'm going to break down the word tribe in the context of friendship, T-R-I-B-E. I'm going I'm to talk about the five different elements of friendship, starting with the T, which is trust or trustworthy. A friend is someone who's trustworthy. You know, we don't just open up to just anyone. We don't. There's, well, some people do. But that's crazy. But the trustworthiness is, is you start to see, I think I can, I can maybe offer a little bit of depth with this person without the fear of rejection. I call these the open door friends. These are the friends where you're, you're starting to realize, okay, yeah, I, I think this person is trustworthy. I think I can, I, can, I can tell them certain things. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if two walk together, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Isn't this so true? You know, those times where you have those relationships with someone and, and you're just like bombed out. You're just so hopeless. And then you have this friend who comes along and they just remind you of who you are. Or they, they share something with you that just kind of, you're like, oh yeah, okay, I can go on another day. These are the trustworthy friends. You know, I think it's interesting that on social media, so like Facebook and Snapchat, they talk about your friends. But um, Instagram and Twitter talk about your followers, which I think don't you think that's creepy? So Facebook and Snapchat, I know some people think Snapchat's of the devil, but these are your friends. But how many of your friends on social media or your followers would you call if you were in the middle of a crisis? How many of them would you trust enough to reach out to them if you were in the middle of just something horrendous? Probably pretty few right? So this, the first kind of friend is the trustworthy friend, the open door friend. The second kind is your real friend. This is a person who they can joke around with you. They can, they can mock you and you don't get offended. They know you really well. This is the one where like, if you know they're coming to your house, you don't scramble to shove everything in the closet. You just like, yeah, it's fine. They know me. This is the one that'll tell you if you have a booger in your nose. This is a real friend. This is a friend who, if you say, if you say, uh, does my hair look okay? They'll be like, yeah, it looks great. <laughs> that kind of friend. Or they'll come up to you. They're the one who will tell you if your jeans make your butt look big. These are, these are your real friends. These are the ones who, they, they're like, I call these the mirror friends. They, they aren't afraid to kind of define who you are and, and show you kind of how you're coming across. These friends are really necessary. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And Proverbs 26, tw or 12, 26 says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. It is so important for us to choose our friends carefully. Because you know, the Bible says that whoever walks with the wise grows, what's the word? Wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Anybody uh, give in to peer pressure in high school? Anybody? How'd that work out? 
not so great. <laughs> I had a, a friend one time, and she was, she was a lot of fun, but she was really crazy, like, like wild. And one time, um, I was driving my dad's little slug bug, and she stood outside on the passenger side on the rail and, like, leaned across over the windshield. And so I started to drive, and then I tapped the brakes, and she went flying off my car and, like, bounced twice. And she got in my car, and she started asking the same three questions, like, 80 times. It was terrifying. It was an absolutely terrifying experience. But this is the kind of person who you love them, but they probably aren't the person that you would trust and trust with your uh, life. <laughs> this is the kind of person you need to, need to be a little bit careful around them. They're a lot of fun, but they're not necessarily going to tell you the truth. You know, they're not necessarily the, the friend who's going to be honest with you. Um, they're, they're more of acquaintances. So there's true friends, there's real friends, there's the informers. These are the ones, I, uh, I'm sorry, I call these the mirrors. These are better, um, these are the ones that will, will really tell it like it is. Like if you ask them, hey, was, did I come across rude before? They're the ones that'll go, yeah, you did. Instead of, oh, no. No, these are the ones that you can actually trust to be honest with you. They don't candy coat it. They just tell you like, like you want to hear it. Proverbs 27.5 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Are there any used car salesmen in here? Okay, then I'm safe. So used car salesman, now this isn't a stereotype, but let's, you know, just, this is kind of just the, the attitude. Salespeople, and I used to be in sales, so I get this. Salespeople are kind of snakes, right? They can be. Okay, sorry. I knew there had to be one. <laughs> I, I met a saleswoman yesterday. Um, I was out shopping and she was, um, she instantly became my best friend. Like, she wanted to know everything about me. And she cared so deeply about the stress in my shoulder. She, she was selling one of those, you know, like massage things that you put across your shoulders. And she cared so deeply for me. She did not want me to have stress in my shoulders. She really didn't. And she was going to actually offer me the same price that she offered everyone else. Because she cared that deeply about me. We used to have a, a saying in sales. Um, my husband, used to, he made this one up. He's like, if people ask if you'll drop the price, he'd go, yeah, we'll double the price and give you half off. Or he'd say, like he'd go into, he, he was obsessed with buying gear, and he would go into a, a music store and he would say, so if I, if I were to buy 15 of these keyboards, what kind of price could you give me? And so then the salesman would give him the price, and then he'd go, I'll take one at that price. Or, uh, anyway, I could go on, that's a, but, you know, salespeople, they're not in it for you. I mean, we need salespeople because we need to buy things, but they aren't included in this circle. Like, you wouldn't start to pour out your heart to, to you know, the guy that's trying to sell you a used car, right? 
you're, you're not going to tr- let that person speak into your life, probably. You're not going to develop this intimate relationship with them. This is the, this is the, the multiplied kisses. You know, they, they tell you everything you want to hear. A true friend doesn't really want to take from you. They want to give to you. True friends are in it for you. They're not in it for their own benefit. And that's a litmus test you can use. If you have a friend that's just always take, 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 taking, I mean, maybe the Lord has you in it for that, but you need to really know what you're dealing with. Because a true friend will have a reciprocal relationship with you. Proverbs 27, 9, perfume perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. A true friend is a person, this kind of person, the informer is one who can say no to you. I, I say this a lot. We all need someone in our lives that can say no to us, don't we? That if we're doing something really dumb, they will love us enough to go, that is a bad idea. You should not do that. Do you all have someone that'll say no, that can say no to you and you'll actually listen? Because if you don't, you're in a dangerous place. Having a friend that loves you enough to give you honest advice is so important. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And in the end, you will be counted among the wise. So our friends are trustworthy. They're real. They inform us. And these are the ones that are like family. These are the the next ones are the ones who are bound to us. They are committed to us. There's a saying that says a true friend is someone who walks in when everyone else is walking out. This is the one when you're going through a hard time. This is the one who will just come and just sit with you. They'll just sit with you. They won't try to give you any advice or anything, they'll just let you hurt. We all need a friend like this. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many a person proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy person? You know, I'm sure all of us can think of of some relationship in our own lives where where we thought someone was trustworthy, only to find out that when the hard times hit, they were gone. And that's painful. That's painful. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. And during 2020, this has been a time of adversity. And this is why it's so important for us to cultivate those relationships and have that. I mean, depression and anxiety and all those things, they, they, are, they grow in the midst of isolation. They grow in the midst of, of loneliness. And so I just want to encourage you, reach out to somebody if you know they're struggling and if you know that they're housebound or they're, they're hurting, just send them a quick text or send them a, a goofy selfie of yourself or whatever. The great theologian uh, Oprah Winfrey, actually, Oprah is they. Did you know that? When you hear the saying, oh, they say that, that's Oprah. Oprah's the one who says all the they says. 
<laughs> this is what she said. I love this quote. Lots of people want to ride with you in your limo, but what you really want is someone who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. Amen? Somebody who they're, they're not in it for themselves. They're in it for the relationship. They're committed to you. And the one relationship, the one relationship that can give you joy is an eternal relationship, and that's the E. That is an eternal friend. These are the ones that are your besties. These are the ones that are, that are there for you always. They walk with you. And Jesus is that guy. Jesus is that guy. He says in John 15, 9, there's so much in this, but I want you to get, there's a couple of little nuggets that I really want to talk about here. John 15, 9 says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. This is agape love. This is the kind of love that's unconditional. He loves you no matter what. He's saying, as the Father has loved me, the Father has agaped me, I want to agape you. It says, remain in my love. This is Jesus talking, remain in my love. So often we step out of his love into our own works, into our own shame, into our own rebellion, into our own anger. And Jesus is saying, remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands, remain in his love. I've told you these things so that my, get this now, I've told you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Can you, can you imagine complete joy? 100% joy, no matter what's going on in your life. Jesus is promising as we remain in his love, our joy will be complete. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Over the last four years, if I didn't have Jesus as my best friend, I don't know how I would have survived. I really don't know how I would have survived. That intimacy with Jesus, he wants to move us into a new place with him. This is what he says. This is my command. Love one another, agape one another, as I have agaped you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. This is Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all gods, the creator of the heavens and the earth. This is what he's saying. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And get this now. This is taking it to the next level with Jesus. He says, I don't call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. Do you hear this? He's saying there's a, whole, there's a whole different realm that I want you to dwell in. It's not just about serving me, even though Jesus himself came to serve. He came not to be served, but to serve. We are called to serve as believers, but he wants to bring us to that place of true intimacy with him, where he is our everything. Where even if your friends bail on you, even if your friends reject you, even if they abandon you, even if they walk away from you in your darkest moment, Jesus is still there. He says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never reject you. He will never abandon you. It says, I am with you always. Let that sink in. 
He wants us to experience that intimacy with him. Not just about doing works, doing good stuff. Because what he's saying is that when we have that intimacy with him, we will know what he's about. We will know what he's up to. A servant doesn't know what his master's doing. If you're just serving and just doing things for Jesus, trying to earn his love or to look good to other people, you're going to miss out on the complete joy that he wants you to experience. That joy that contains peace and hope and freedom and forgiveness, all of it, that's where he wants you to live. And he wants you to experience his presence every day. I don't call you servants because a servant doesn't know. I call you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to produce fruit. So you see the difference here? He is still calling us to serve, but it's to produce fruit for the kingdom of heaven. It's to create eternal things. This is this that comes from the Lord of Lords. This is the fruit that comes from the God who is eternal. And he says, your fruit should remain so that what, now get this, whatever you ask in my name, he will give you. You know, the prosperity gospel is, is all about, you know, you know, that they take this passage and they totally twist it to mean that whatever you want, you can just ask for it and God will give it to you. No, what he's saying is he will reveal the eternal things to you in your intimacy with him. He will let you in to what he is about, what he is doing, what he is accomplishing And let me just say, don't let this pandemic trial go to waste. Let it refine you. Become dependent on your best friend. Jesus has sent you a friend request and he wants you to respond. He's waiting to bring you into that place of complete joy. And now I know, I know there's some of you and you're like, that's not even possible. How can I have complete joy? Yes. If Jesus said it, it's the fact. It is possible to have complete joy. And I can tell you, I can stand here and tell you, I have complete joy and I'm not bragging. I'm saying this is about being broken. This is about being, being completely emptied of myself and going through hardships and suffering and trials but leaning into him rather than being ticked off at him. Because you do have the choice. When you suffer, when you go through trials, when you go through a worldwide pandemic, you have a choice. You can either lean into Jesus and know his will and understand what he's doing and have complete joy and fulfillment and and that intimacy with him, or you can lean out and you can go, you know what? You're not giving me my way. I'm out of here. Canceled. The choice is yours, life or death, complete joy or devastation. The choice is ours. We have a choice in this. He's saying, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you to produce fruit. 
and that your fruit should remain so whatever you ask in the name of the Father, in, or ask the Father in my name, I'm sorry, he will give you. This is what I command, love one another. You know, there's the five love languages. I'm sure you've all heard about this. The five different types of love languages, quality time, gifts, uh, words of encouragement, acts of service, and physical touch. Did you know that you can actually use all of these love languages to relate to God except for the physical touch? But that's why the Lord gave us the body of Christ. Because it's so important. Did you know that orphans, babies will die if they aren't touched? Now, this isn't a license for those of you who tend toward creepiness. Just FYI. This is not creepy touch. This is the kind of touch where you see someone's down or they're hurting and you just put your hand on their shoulder. And you say, you know what? God's got this. God's on the throne. God is going to set you free. God's going to deliver you. God's going to come through. I don't know how. I don't know what your Red Sea is that you're facing. I don't know what your Egyptians are, but God is on the throne. And he's got this. And you just reassure them. Or you give them a hug, a not creepy hug. If you are creepy, please give people a one-armed hug. I say that's like a one-lipped kiss. Don't be creepy. This is not a license for that. But it's so important. And so many people now are so desperate for that. So that's physical touch. But all the other love languages, you can use them to God. Words of encouragement. Not that God needs our encouragement, but that's called praise. That's called worship. That's the place where you're going to be set free is in his presence. It says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Okay? Praising God, making praise and worship a lifestyle, not just something you do when you come to church and kind of get through the songs so you can do whatever. This is a lifestyle, offering yourself to him over and over again, every single day, waking up and giving yourself to him, saying, Lord, I'm giving myself to you today. Use me for your purposes. Just Let your kingdom come and your will be done in and through me. Amen? So that's words of encouragement. Acts of service, that's obvious. We can serve the Lord by serving other people. You know, you can't really serve the Lord without serving other people other than worshiping and praising God. It happens with with human needs. Right? Yes? Acts of service? Okay, words of encouragement, and then quality time. That's my jam. Quality time with the Lord. You struggle with depression or anxiety or despair or loneliness or brokenness or rejection or abandonment. Just get up a little bit earlier in the morning and open up the Bible and say, Lord, I come to you with my brokenness. Heal me, Lord. Make me whole. And I'm telling you, his word says you can have complete joy. It's possible. And then the last is gifts. You can offer gifts to him. Offer money to him. Offer your talent to him. Offer your time. But the Lord is calling us to make Jesus our bestie. Amen? I'm going to talk um, a little bit about Jesus' friends, and then I'm going to talk about three women um, 
who are involved in the Christmas story. But honestly, Jesus had some terrible friends. You think about it? One of them betrayed him, handed him over to be crucified. Okay, that's a bad friend. Cancel. (laughs) Unfriend. Unfriend Judas, right? Okay, he had another friend who was one of his very best friends who denied him three times. And all of them fell asleep at the all-night prayer meeting. They all fell asleep on him. I mean, Jesus had some pretty terrible friends. Jesus is not a terrible friend. As a matter of fact, the Bible says of him, he is a friend of sinners. What? The king of the universe is a friend of sinners? Isn't he so much above that? No. He knows our our failures. He knows our shortcomings. And yet, he continues to draw us to him. He continues to promise us complete joy. Proverbs 18.24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That friend that sticks closer than a brother is Jesus. Jesus sticks closer no matter what. Jesus will be there. You know the saying that blood is thicker than water? That means the blood of Christ is thicker than the waters of birth. So you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And sometimes your family, they're not good friends to you. Sometimes they are the companion of fools. Sometimes you're going to suffer harm. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful. He is for you. He is with you. He will never reject you. He will never abandon you. He has offered to give you complete joy. In the Bible, it talks in uh, Luke chapter 1, it talks about three women um, in the Christmas story, all of whom had Jesus as their bestie. The first one was Mary. Now imagine this. Some say that Mary was probably 12 years old. And she got this visitation from this angel, and this angel told her, oh, by the way, you're going to have a baby, and it's going to be the Son of God, even though you've never been with a man. Now, you got to think about all of the rejection that Mary probably experienced from the townspeople and all the gossip. Think about that. And yet, this is what Mary says in Luke chapter 1. She says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is what Mary is saying. She's rejoicing. She had that complete joy because Jesus, or because the Lord, was her everything. And Jesus was birthed through her. I love that song, Mary, Did You Know? Where it says that the the one whom you've delivered will soon deliver you. Ah, love that line. That is so profound. So Mary had an intimacy with Jesus that was inexplicable. Then there's Elizabeth, who they say was probably past her childbearing years. Elizabeth was Mary's aunt. And when Mary went to see her, Elizabeth had found out she was pregnant, and she didn't know Mary was coming, because in those days you couldn't communicate. Mary showed up at her door, and suddenly it says that the baby within Elizabeth's womb leapt. The baby in Elizabeth's womb was John the Baptist. And all of a sudden, boom, she's like, wow. She knew. Elizabeth had an intimacy with the, with the God of the universe. And she recognized what was happening. And then you read on further and you read about this woman named Anna, who is 84 years old, who 
was constantly in the temple, constantly praying, constantly in the presence of God. I would love to hear some of the things she heard from the Holy Spirit. But it's probably a lot of the same things that Jesus wants to speak to you. Like peace to your storm. Like hope to your despair. Like comfort to your grief. Like joy to your sorrow. Healing to your brokenness. These things can all come through being in his presence. Making him your first choice. Making him your best friend. This is what Jesus is calling each one of us to. And even if you've been betrayed, even if you've been abandoned, even if you've been rejected and hurt and broken and maybe falsely accused or whatever it is by your earthly friends, the Bible says Jesus entrusted himself to no one because he knew what was in their hearts. Never put your hope in other people. The Bible even says the, the help of man is worthless. Put your hope in God and you will never be disappointed. My husband and I used to have this saying, whenever we'd go through hard times, we'd say, God's got this. I don't know how, I don't know what he's going to do, but God's got this. And I want to speak that to your life too. God's got this. Whatever you're going through, lean into Jesus. Let him become your best friend and you will experience complete joy. Amen. Would you stand, please? We're going to pray together. (sighs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Bible, Lord. We thank you for speaking to us words that are living and active. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, Father, that each person within the hearing of this word would draw closer to you even today. Lord, your word says that you are always drawing us near. You are always longing to be with us. You are with us always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, you have promised that you will never reject us. You will never abandon us. You will never disappoint us. If our hope is in you, we will not be disappointed, Lord. And Father, we ask right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Lord, we ask that we would grow deeper in our love for you. Lord, we thank you that you have given us theology, Lord, and you've given us the study of eschatology and end times and all of the the different intricacies of, of knowledge. But Jesus, you said the one thing, the one thing that's important is that we know you and that we know you by your spirit and by your word. And so, God, I just pray for depth, for each one of us to go deeper with you. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, you would become our bestie. You would become our best friend. Lord, that we would experience a depth of intimacy with you that we've never known before. Each and every one of us, Lord God. Lord, that we would be able to throw off those things that hinder us, those things that entrap us and enslave us, and we would receive your power 
Lord, and your grace and your truth and your love and your healing. We thank you, Lord. You promised us that 2020 would be the year of your favor. God, thank you. You define things so differently than us. But we're grateful, Lord. We're grateful that you are still in control. And we know that you've got this, Lord. And so we offer ourselves to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Draw us near, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're a person, and this is all weird and all these concepts are strange about having friendship with God, and if you've never been born again, I just want to say that today's the day. You can be born again of the Spirit of God. All you need to do is admit that you're a sinner. You can't save yourself. You can't do enough works. You can't earn your way to heaven. That it's only through the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for your sins And if you have never heard this message and you've never been forgiven, you've never been born again by the Spirit of God, I would love to talk to you or talk to someone that you came with that knows Jesus or call us, call us at the church office if you're online. I want to say again, for those of you who can't come and meet with us in person, we miss you so much. We really miss you. But contact us. You can go on our website or you can call the church office or reach out to somebody that you know really knows Jesus because we're all in this together. Amen? All right, I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Merry Christmas.